I had a moment about six months ago, I want to say that like this again, like big kind of like life shift of like what I thought was our agreements or what I thought we agreed to forever. You know, we figured it out forever kind of moment. And I was like, oh no, we haven't figured it out forever. And like my partner is changing and his desires are changing. And I had this, like, again, this like life threatening, like I'm going to die if we don't, you know, put this in concrete and never change. And then I had a moment of realizing like, oh, I, I'll like, I'll burn this ship down trying to like save it in its current existence. Like if I'll try to like save the relationship in the way that it was, and if I'll try and save the relationship in the way that I want, it will die just from like the sheer kind of war that will happen. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from all over the world to hear their personal journeys of self-discovery through the lenses of love, sex, and relationships. Our mission is to show people that they're not alone and to inspire them to embrace their true selves so that together we can open minds and live authentically without shame. We believe everyone's story is powerful and beautiful, yet it's important to remember that everyone does life a little bit differently and that the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we aren't doctors. Please consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 321. We're Finn and Emma. And before we jump into the interview, we just want to take a moment and wish everyone a happy new year. Happy 2024. We are really excited for this year and we hope all of you are too. Yeah, we are pumped to be back for another year of podcasting and community building and all of the things. And yeah, as Emma said, just happy new year to everybody. Today, we have an amazing interview with Noah. She walks us through her journey of self-discovery and growth over the last 15-ish years. She's been with her partner since 2008, and it's just a beautiful conversation. Yeah, these two have been together more or less since college, and I think one of the, the things that I love about this conversation is the way that they were friends. They built their 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 romantic partnership on top of a friendship, and and as you'll hear Noah talk about, they they sort of had this sex-positive community and flirtiness that they had as individuals when they were friends and roommates, and they shared that together, and then they sort of carried that on into the romantic partnership. And then over the last you know decade and a half, they have both grown and evolved, and their relationship has done the same. And it's just a wonderful conversation about embracing change and 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 all of things, even though it's really, really scary. Yes. And maybe even hard once in a while. Just a little bit. (laughs) As you'll see, we talk a lot about community in this episode. And Noah is the CEO of Bloom Community App, which is an app, a social and community building app for sex positive and edge of culture communities that helps you meet people organically through shared events. We have been collaborating with Bloom over the last several years, and we have loved their work and their entire team. Yeah, they reached out to us a few years back, and we actually interviewed their founder, Luna on episode 212, which is another wonderful conversation. So if you'd like to learn more about the roots of Bloom, please check that out. And definitely please check out the app. Again, as Emma said, like we love this app. We use this app. We we list our events on this app, and we've met some incredible people all over the country uh, through this app. So please, please check it out. It is free to download, and it is a great place to build community, find community, and really just meet amazing people. Yes. 
To download Bloom and find out more, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, click on the podcast tab, and you can find show notes for this episode with links to everything right there. And just a huge shout out to Noah again. Thank you for coming on, for the amazing work that you do, and just for being an all-around badass person. For anyone who's a premium subscriber, we're going to jump right into the interview with Noah now. And for anyone else, we're going to go through actually just one quick announcement today. And that announcement is another huge thank you, similar to last week. Thank you to everybody who has listened to the show, come on the show, been part of our community, joined the community, come to our events, used the links for STD Check, basically done anything that we have done alongside us. Just a huge thank you to all of you for your support throughout 2023. This work would not be possible without each and every one of you, no matter how you contributed, you contributed and we're grateful. So as a thank you to all of you, we're not going to give you a ton of announcements here, <laughs> but what we would ask happy for- Happy 2024. Yes, happy <laughs> 2024. The only thing we would ask for in return, if you get a spare moment, please head over to whatever app or place that you listen to podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. If you think we're worth five stars, leave us a four-star. If you think we're worth four stars, the point is, leave us a review. They definitely help people find us. They help people know what we're about, and they help people know that you love us. So with that, we won't ask for anything else. Next week, we'll be back with your regularly scheduled announcements. Yes. But until then, we hope you enjoy this conversation with Noah, and we will see you all on the other side. Let's go. Welcome, Noah, to the podcast. We're excited to talk today. Thank you for getting up early and making this happen. Yeah, it's rare that we interview people who are earlier than us yeah, being yeah. on the West Coast. So we had to, we're out in the ocean today. Welcome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm super excited. I can make uh, the whole pitch of why people should uh, move to Hawaii. And why it's a really good, it's actually way better to be earlier than anyone else. I. I agree. That is why I love living on the West Coast, but uh, <laughs> I have so many reasons why it's better over here. <laughs> but anyway, welcome. Welcome to the show. We're excited to get to know you better today. We, we know you a bit, but we we, ha we don't know all of the details, so we're excited. And, and we're excited to get the word out, too, about all of your work and the work that Bloom is doing. So welcome. Thank you so much. Do you mind starting just by introducing yourself for for everybody who who hasn't had the pleasure of meeting you? Well, so I, th I think I think for me, like who I am is like part of my like the my my story of who I like couldn't find myself as. Um, I I had this moment in twenty eighteen. I want to say I just had my second baby, and I remember feeling like extremely alone even though I was like not alone at all, right? I had two kids, I had a husband, I had 400, you know, business school friends. I had 400 friends from Lyft that worked with me. So I was like surrounded by people, but there was like this sense that I was like extremely alone in the world, that I didn't really have anyone to talk to. And I remember, you know, I, Romy, my husband produces a festival and I remember being like angry at him and telling him like, you better quit your job, close the festival and find a job that you hate as well. So we can like be equal in our suffering. And that was like a pivotal moment for me, right? Like realizing how alone I was and how like miserable I was. And that kind of sparked the end of me just like cruising in the direction that my life kind of set me and actually figuring out who I am. And I think from there, I've like 
has become who I am really. So I would say that, you know, my day job is to be the CEO of Bloom, which is an app to help counter culture people find their community. But who I am like truly inside is a community leader. Like from that moment where I was like, I'm going to find my people. I just like went super deep and I was like, how can I show up vulnerably? And how can I find people that want to share themselves vulnerably? And how do I create spaces for people to be vulnerable? And I started doing it, you know, at play parties that I went to, I would create like the, the vulnerable question, a booth and the kissing booth. And then I created my own identity there. And then I was like, oh, well, what if I created a circle? And I created my own identity there. And then what if I created a party? And then slowly, slowly, I expand my spo- scope of community leadership until a Luna, who is the founder of Bloom, was like, you know what you should do? You should be our next CEO. So now I have like the ability to actually do it at scale and el- enable all these amazing communities to reach more people. I love it. Yes, yes. And And anybody listening knows... Well, anyone who's listened to more than 10 minutes of us knows that community is like the foundation that we build on. And so it's been, it's been wonderful to have, I mean, that's been sort of the, the base of the partnership between Bloom and, and all of our work for so long is just such an emphasis on community. And, and I think what's amazing about it is it gives you a lot of freedom to try lots of different things because your people are bound by the community, not by the specific offering. And so it's sort of like we, okay, we have the base. What can we do with it versus like, give me what, give me more. Um, I don't know. I just, I find that the, the, the foundation that community gives to build on is stronger and, and more evergreen maybe. Yeah. And that's transactional, right? There's, Mm -hmm. and, and I think what's really interesting is today's world is so, is just like, there's so much lonely aloneness in it. And, yeah. and you know, what I felt that left so many people are feeling right. Like this, like lie that the corporate corporate America told us that it's like, don't worry about, you know, don't worry about finding like a mission that you care about in your life. Like just adopt our mission. Don't worry about like making an impact, just drive more revenue for us. That's going to be your impact. Don't worry yeah. about finding friends. Like your coworkers are your best friends. And now when tech is like laying off like hundreds of thousands of people, people are like, I'm alone in this house and I have no one to talk to because the only people I spoke with were my coworkers over Slack. And I think that's like what breaks my heart in some way the most is that we as a society have not like set up the stage for people to like find friendships and community in a place that they belong without it being either a job or a transactional experience. Yeah. Well, and I think too, you even pointed out you were married with kids. You had friends from business school. You had friends from work. And even with all of that, you still felt alone. And so there's, there's more to not feeling alone than just having people around you, having bodies around you. I mean, that's a start, but then you have to, you have to dig into who you are, be willing to share who you are so they can share. So there's connection. Right. right. That's just having a person there is again, that's step one. But yeah, then then what do you do with that? Right. You know, a lot of the things that I hear from people when I, I spoke with a ton of blue members, a lot of what I hear is like I come I came for the romantic relationship and I stayed for the friends. And I don't know if that's I don't mm. know if 
I think it's a little bit different with like six parties where people come for the sex and stay for the friends. Mm-hmm. But there's like a sense of like, oh, I discovered that there's actually what is, yeah, of course, I still want the core relationship and I'm still looking for like the one or whatever it is that people are like coming there to find or like I'm still there to find the fifth. But mm-hmm. the reality is like what they discover is that finding a friend is like just as important, right? And finding a friend is like helpful on the path to find your one or your fifth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And I, I actually go to sex parties for the snacks and stay for the for the sex. So I and for the friends. So I'm I'm there for the food. <laughs> What's your uh, ultimate sex party snack recommendations? Oh, recommendations. <laughs> I mean, you got. I think you got to have a veggie tray. I think that. But then something like. Something formidable to give you more energy, you know. Sometimes you need extra energy throughout the night. Like some cookies? Cookies are good. <laughs> They're like a little burst. I think, yeah, I mean, I'm, I am I just love eating. So. Maybe, maybe like the the covered chocolate, like cacao beans or coffee mm-hmm. beans or like those, the small ones that you can. But, you know, you've interviewed William mm-hmm. and, and William is like a big meat meat like he just cooks meat like during parties like there'd be a moment that if it's a outdoor party you could just see william like cook meat for everyone and yep i was gonna say ribs but they get a little messy so (laughs) (laughs) well i would love to go go back in time noah maybe to, to 2018 i don't know it was that sort of the pivotal point when you're sort of looking at life that that non-monogamy came in or had non-monogamy been part of you and your your husband's world prior to that sort of inflection point in life yeah well it was definitely part of it before i think i always used to say that like sex or like sexual sexy environments or sexy themed were like was our hobby mm-hmm. so even though we didn't have sex with other people or date other people, we would like always be in like the flirt energy, right? So we, and I think what really helped is we we started by being roommates in college. And college in Israel is way later. So we were in our late twenties, but we would, we became best friends. So we would like drive to college and the whole way we would talk about like sex, like, oh, I had sex with this person in the bathroom or, oh, I dated. So we, we were single and we got the opportunity to like talk about sex and be in that exciting energy. And I think that allowed us as we, as we kind of advanced in the relationship and became more exclusive or became more like deep and they solidified our relationship to actually have a core of like, oh, this is what we do. We talk about sex. We go to parties and we flirt with other people. We we sit on our friends like laps. Like we just had that energy of youth and singleness like extended into our relationship. And so pretty much from like the moment we met, which was back in 2008. But even though we were like still pretty monogamous then, like we, you know, I'm sure some monogamous people would say that it was not cool that we would like dance very close with other people or flirt with other people but we were not sleeping with other people we were not dating other people for like a long time and then we started going to sex parties together as a couple and we would just play together right we're like oh my god there's like so much you know juiciness and excitement and we can just go to like a sexy party and be together and that's like enough for us to get 
fed. Yeah, like fuel fuel off the erotic. Exactly. And I think I think this is like the the same 2018 kind of heartbreak that happened. That is in some way. I told myself a story, right? Because I was really afraid of anything that was non-monogamous truly. And I told myself a story that this is it. Like we figured out like the secret sauce for, you know, being monogamous and being in sexy spaces. And when Romy started bringing up like the idea of like playing with other people, bring other people in, there was like this deep, you know, my whole anxiety system kind of flared up and became very, very anxious right? because I was like, you promised me we figured it out. Like, you know, I just had this moment of like, no change. I just want no change. Right. And I've had it throughout my life a lot, but there's this moment where you're like in utter, you know, despair of like, I am so afraid of losing my reality. Right. I'm so afraid of losing my relationship and like that for me the moment that I fully drop into like the utter truth of it like I just find the way out of it like I I just am able to be like well you know for me I remember Romy was like pushing all the time and I was like boundaries boundaries you know he would want to go to parties and I'd be like well, here's the boundary. Why do you want to do that? You promised me you don't want, you know, I went into this cycle and what I realized is like, I'm enabling this, this like status quo where he pushes in and I kind of break. And like, I was like, could I find like one thing about this party that I could be excited about? Like one, like one tiny thing, like, oh, I'll meet someone and he'll like, tell me that I'm cute. You know, like not making out with someone like something, one thing that he'd be like, oh yeah, that's pretty hot. And then I was like, okay, if I can find one really hot thing, why am I not excited about it? And I realized that it was because like, I was so afraid of the change. And I was like, can I embrace that there is something maybe cool to discover instead of embracing like the fear and like how, what would, could I change my whole reality by changing my perspective? And I remember coming to Romy and being like, I can't have you ask me about parties anymore, changing anything. Like, you're just like, my nervous system is so focused on, you know, being under attack and protecting myself that I can't feel into the desire anymore. And I want to be able to create space and see what's there. Right. And I was like, we're not going to any parties, stop offering anything. And I will let you know if I ever want to do anything. And the moment he stopped and he was like, yeah, sure. Sounds good. We took off. Like the moment that he removed like that pressure, I was like, well, I would like to try this and well, I would like to try this. And I was able to follow my passion and my desire instead of being like hijacked by my anxiety. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. And I imagine just the way you say that makes it sound like it is a beautiful and was a beautiful transition, right? And transformation. I imagine that it didn't happen overnight. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'd like to see if you could talk a little bit about like that, that switch for you that I, it sounds like the, as soon as the pressure was gone, that sounds like a big shift, but then how did you lean into, to that, to your desires and everything after that? Yeah. I think there is yeah, I think there is a few things. I think one is, you know, for me, like realizing 
how much I intertwined my desire with like what I have to give in reciprocity. There's like this constant being like, well, I can't want that because if I want that, I need to like give that, right? Like if I want to kiss someone at a party, I will have to like allow that as well. And that, like that moment and that framework is what started me being like, well, I don't want to then even offer that because I want to like manage. I want to, I don't want to ask for that because I want to manage what would be asked for me, right? Like the, the deep manipulation that we all do in relationships in some way. I don't know if you do, I do all the time, but, but then I had a moment with Misha Bonaventura from Bonobo that she said like, well, what if you just asked for what you want and didn't give back the same thing, right? Like, what if you could say, I want to kiss someone or I want to go to a date with someone, but I'm not okay with you doing that, right? Like what, how would that work in your relationship? And that really opened my eyes to the fact that like, oh, I can, me asking for what I want or me speaking what I want doesn't mean that I now have to like act in a specific way in the relationship. I can, I can create my own reality in some way. And I think that allowed me to like, A, create the reality that I wanted, right? So I could be like, I want to go to a date with someone outside of parties, but I'm not open to you doing that yet, right? And I think it allowed me to do the things, right? And like discover myself and actually be like, oh, this is really fun. I can realize why Romy should do that too, right? Like being able to like move away from like the story and the fear into the experience. Yeah. So I think that was like a really, really big one that he enabled me to do. Well, it sounds like in there, no, that it wasn't, because I I mean, I think people could hear that and go, okay, so now what, what, what Noah wants is to do whatever and not allow her partner to do it. But it sounds like it was more, I want to create a framework where I can figure it out. And, and then I probably will figure it out to say, okay, I'm, I get it now you go like you were just trying to create an environment where your nervous system wasn't being maxed out. And not that you were going to say like, this is the new dynamic is for the rest of our lives until death do us part. I get to go do whatever I want and you don't. Well, you know, but part of me, right. This is like when I do a lot of like my own community leadership, like I'm like, that's also a possibility. Like, you know, there's some, there's some way, right. That I feel like, you know, this is like my mom rage coming out, but I'm like, women take so much, do so much extra work. Mm -hmm. Women do like so much more holding while like men get drug or men do this or like, you know, like, you know, this is very binary, but there's like, like, I think overall, when I feel like it's 50, 50, it's probably 65, 40, 35 that I do more than I take. Right. So there's like a way that I'm like, well, what could happen if I took more? Like, you know, like how do I let my nervous system actually feel that it's okay? But right? how do we, like, if we're in a relationship, right. And my nervous system is triggered by you going on solo dates and yours isn't, could we do that if it works yep. for us? And could we not like just prioritize, like it has to be equal. So I like, yeah, I think that the whole vision for me is like, and continually, how do I stop? How do I find a path that we continually track the path of feeling good in our nervous system, right? Like you shouldn't feel like you don't get to do what you want either. And, but how do we follow the path of like our nervous system being regulated and us following our desire instead of like trying to, focus on like what's fair or what, like, can, you know, 
it it all has to work like perfectly. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I think th- that clarification, and and I didn't quite get there, which is it's you two deciding together what works, right? Because he right. might he might look at your solution and say, I don't want that. And now you two have to figure out what you can do, right? Exactly. And so it's it's a decision of both people showing up and saying, I need this to survive or I want this. And then you both going, how do we do it together? And like you said, maybe you going on solo dates isn't a big deal for him, but him going on solo dates is a big deal for you. And you're both okay with that disparity. And then it's that it creates harmony. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. And how do you do it with like agreements? Or like it's interesting because mm-hmm. like Romy has like a significant, significant other that they do like two dates a week. And I'm like, well, I like, want that less. What I want to go is I want to go for like a week with my friends for a festival, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, ha- you know, even when you do it with parenting, right? Like, do you do what, like each one gets two days or you're like, oh, you do two days a week and once a month I'll take a week off, right? So it's like, I think part yeah. of it is like, how do you drop into the place of like, you know, owning what you want and owning what you don't want and then like slowly kind of find your way. Like you said, it's like this like kind of beautiful a dance of discovering like where you land together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not easy, but I, I love the way that you frame that as like, as that dance and that each person can figure out what that dance is for, for you and in your partnership. Yeah. And I think part of it is like, you know, I still get super triggered, right? Like I still like when my, when, you know, it's interesting because for me, I'm like, the opposite you know for me every every in our dynamic i'm always afraid of change i'm like what is the agreement let's write them down you know and i care more about like the emotional agreements of it and i'm really i care more about like okay or do you fall in love with someone do you not like you know i care about like the the emotional parts of it and so for me like any change in like the the dynamics and how i see them like really really impact me and, and yeah, so for me, so much of the work is like, how do I continue to be, to welcome change and actually be in, in my own transformation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is super easy work to do. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. easy to, <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're, we're all kind of actually signed up for it because we like it in some way. You know, I have, a, I have a friend, he's monogamous and he was like, wow, you, you do a lot of talking before you do the fucking and I was like you would be surprised I feel like that most people really like the talking almost more than the fucking like it's like the turn on right and what I hear from people at Bloom is like I come for personal growth right like I do community I do you know sex positive I do kink for the personal growth more than for the like the actual act itself of getting laid more Yeah. yeah yeah there's a lot more to it I was curious too. So it sounds like, you know, this was 2018, I'm going to assume 2019, mm-hmm. 2020, like those, like it took a few, a little bit of time to kind of find your groove and figure this out. And it was, it almost sounds like it was, you know, it was, st- it was steps. You took steps of like, I'm going to try this. Let's try this. Let's try the different agreements. Let's shift and change. And I guess I'm curious, like, where are things right now? Yeah. Ugh, such a good question. <laughs> Uh, and I think, you know, I think that we're, I think we're, we're figuring it out in some way. I think that we, 
we, you know, we, we own, we have a, we own a family. We own a family. We know we're the, we actually own that, which is called family. (laughs) 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 But yeah, I think it's like, I think we're like a big, I'm in like a big moment of uh, figuring out where we are overall and where I am in some way where we, I really feel like we are, we have embraced like the way that, or I've embraced the way that we're not monogamous and I've embraced the way that, yeah, that like, I believe in like following like love and trust, like, you know, that there are so many ways to be in a relationship. And I think we're like in this moment of transition of like, how do we define ourselves? Right. Like, are we still like primaries? Are we like, what is the, what is like the real dynamic between us? And I think we're like in, in the moment of like figuring it out and probably I had a moment about six months ago, I want to say that like this again, like big kind of like life shift of like what I thought was our agreements or what I thought we agreed to forever. You know, we figured it out forever kind of moment. And I was like, Oh no, we haven't figured it out forever. And like my partner is changing and his desires are changing and I had this, like, again, this like life threatening, like I'm going to die if we don't, you know, put this in concrete and never change. And then I had a moment of realizing like, oh, I, I'll like, I'll burn this ship down trying to like save it in its current existence. Like if I'll try to like save the relationship in the way that it was, and if I'll try and save the relationship in the way that I want, it will die just from like the sheer kind of war that will happen. And having kids, you know, really help, helps me still be like, okay, what I, what I want is I want to create like enough distance between us or enough like structure between us that we can like love each other without our nervous system being like completely flared. Like I don't want to, I want to raise my kids in some family structure still with my partner. And I don't want them to see a family that fights all the time. So it's like, what can I do to like take care of my system? Right. You know, and take care of like our agreements and our boundaries in a way that I can just like relax into it. So in a very different way than I was in 2008, 2018, where it was like, you stop everything. I'll figure out my path. It kind of feels like the opposite when I'm like, you do your thing. I'm going to do the mental work to kind of align myself and take care of like my system in order to like show up in it. Yeah. 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 It's interesting that like that shift that you've made, but it also makes sense. I mean, it's, it's been um, five years of growth, right. And change and, and still like you're in it. Like now I, I, I still have to keep working on figuring out my shit. Like, (laughs) Yeah. Right. And it's like, but, but in a less monogamous framework of like interdependence, right. Of like, you better make me feel okay. Right. It's like, I think that then, and I still have that in my system, like you make it stop, right. Like I am in pain and you have the keys to make it stop. Right. Like, and that is like really what drives some of like that deep terror, right? It's like, I will not be okay unless you do this thing and being able to stop, step away and be like, oh, I can actually, I can, like, I can find ways to not be in terror. I, I'm actually, I, I'm able to like take care of myself, right? And how do I do that? Doesn't mean like, you know, gaslighting myself or like, you know, bulldozing through my boundaries, mm-hmm. but it's more like, how do I 
own my boundaries and take care of my system in the correct way. Yeah, I love that. And it's, as Emma kind of said, like it's almost counter to what we just talked about a minute ago, because it's not that you're saying, Mm -hmm. I don't need anything anymore. It's still, I do need things, right? I I need something Mm -hmm. and you can communicate that. And then your partner gets the opportunity to say, I can or can't meet you there. And then the two of you get the opportunity to say, well, where can we meet? Does it work for both of us? And what do we keep doing versus, yeah, we have like, it has to look, it has to look like this and it has to feel like this and we have to do this. And if you don't, everything will change and we can't have change. And that's, but that's so hard to just be like, (laughs) trust. I'm going to trust that if we set a, we set a container for our relationship that we will both show up to that container in the way that we agreed and we won't wander off because there was a shiny object or something happened while also knowing that could happen. Right. Totally. Yeah. Well, my therapist is so good at being like, how do you embrace like the sheer like terror of it all? Right. Like, how do you be like, you know, yeah, something terrible, you know, I'm a parent, something terrible might happen to my kids. It doesn't matter. Like, I will do all the things mm-hmm. and yet something terrible might happen to them and it would be terrible, like no silver lining, blah, blah, blah. Like just, so yeah. I think like, yeah, embracing that. And I think slow, this is like the lie that our parents told us, you know, our to your parents told us that you'll be like 28 and it will be like smooth sailing. You <laughs> figure it out your career, you figure it out the relationship And then it's like up to the right forever, like, you know, linear line, it's going to be boring, but it's like, this is it. And I'm like, no, I have all my employees from a previous company. They're all like 29 freaked out. They're going to be 30 and, you know, the the life is dead. I'm like, oh no, you have a life of drama ahead of you. Like, do not worry. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I, I love what you said too about like, how can I like accept the terror? Like be, and my therapist said something similar to me once of like, not that long ago of like, how can you be, how can you be comfortable or learn to be comfortable with the like really hard, like terrifying situations, like embrace them. As you said, embrace the terror, embrace the uncertainty, embrace the anxiety. And it's like, I don't know. That's really, really hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it is the fact of life. It's like the process is accepting reality in that way. Yeah, totally. You know, I'm from Israel, so it's like so deep how not okay everything is. And, you know, there's like the, I have like two people in my head, this like, I think like 21 year old girl that like was like, she was with her boyfriend and like they kind of split them and she's like on this motorcycle. She's like, don't kill me. You know, she's like, just like terror. Right. And, and just like my heart breaks. Right. And then there's like this grandma, she was like 90, I think she, they kidnapped her and she just sits on this like small cart with her like blanket that they took her from bed. And she's just like unfazed, you know, she's just like, you can imagine her, I or I want to imagine her being like, these kids are just doing this thing again, you know, like kind of like just embracing kind of like, this is terrible and I'm okay, right? Like actually feeling okay in the not okayness of like my, what might happen, right? And just still having that perspective of like, yeah, I am with myself. I'm going to be okay. Like it's gonna, like, this is fine no matter what it is. So like, it kind of feels like that's my when I think about like maturing, that kind of feels like the thread, 
like, how do you actually just like be okay in the face of like terror, right? And keep on being like, this is just life and I'm going to like slowly welcome it. Yeah. 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 And I, like, I know this got a little bit deep, but I think it, it's really important because right. Building on this same notion is let's say you and your partner or me and Emma, we've, we did it. We cracked the code. We've crafted the perfect relationship with all of the right agreements and it's flawless. And yeah, one of us gets hit by a car. One, you know, something happens, right. That, that neither of us could have planned for, neither of us could have done anything about. And now even though we did it perfect, we still have to figure out how to adapt to a change. You know, we maybe we lost our partner, or now we now we're a full time caregiver for our partner. Like right. you don't you don't get to control what happens. I mean, yes, you can control pieces, you can control how you react, you can control those things, but what's going to happen on the day to day? There's a whole lot that we don't have any control over, and it's scary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking about those two, the example you gave of the women in Israel and how profound that is of, I mean, obviously what's happening is horrific, but like I, the two different reactions, like who knows what was actually going on for the 90-year-old woman, but the, it's almost like this acceptance of the, of, of reality and presence and and yeah like how i think it's just like seeing that growth seeing that difference and it's not like the 29 year old like yeah get angry get like fight back do like for sure that's there's nothing wrong with that that's you we need that but i don't know the development of and the growth in in each individual um it's really powerful to, to yeah and yeah and, and I just like, want to come back to that yeah and how do you how do you like not give your not give your power right like not not give your like you have to make me feel okay right it's just I keep yeah for me I keep being you know I had I remember I was like talking to my friend and she's a very experienced like kink a practitioner and you know I was like angry and I was like blah, 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 you broke our boundaries, you know? And she's like, I think you talk about boundaries. I think there's like an opportunity for you to like rethink how you think about boundaries. And she said, boundaries is not, I will, you can't call me after 9 p.m. Boundaries is like, I will not answer the phone after 9 p.m. And and I was like, is it? Like, you know, I never realized, right? Because like when you create agreements at all, but like, you can't do this, you can't do that, right? But like having that perspective of like, oh, I I don't have to just move the other player in alignment to me. I can also move myself in alignment to the other player, right? On like that chess board. Mm-hmm. And being able to be like, that unlocked so much autonomy for me and so much like sense of, ability right and and i think that is like also what unlocks the ability to like open and expand and accept what is and because you're like oh now i you know you're not doing this thing to me i am actually an independent player in this game and i can also like take care of myself right in like the deepest ways of like being secure to myself yeah which I mean, I love that example because that's the difference of you can call me, everybody can call me after nine. 
but they know I will not answer the phone. Mm-hmm. And I've communicated that. And now when the phone rings, maybe I do answer it because, you know, maybe that's an evening where I'm feeling a little okay with that. But I don't get to be mad at them, right? If I if I answer the phone, I chose to answer mm-hmm. the phone and then I'll be fully engaged. Or I just let it go to voicemail and then I don't then nobody crossed my boundaries, right? They they were being them and you were being you and everybody was everybody was okay. Oh my God, I realized how angry I got when you're like, I, I can't get to, I don't get to be angry at them. I was like, what do you mean? You get to, like, it's like interesting how like that thread of like anger is like such a, it's like, I feel like there's like a driving force in there for me. Like there's some way that like anger or rage or, like is, is also like a, it propels me to move forward or propels me to speak up. And I think part of my opportunity is to like identify that and be like, yeah, is there like a different way to like move forward without anger or rage as like the core feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, it's, I mean, this boundary conversation, I mean, we could do this for three hours because these, (laughs) this has been revelations for myself. And I, I believe Emma as well over the last probably year or so is really like understanding that, that, and I don't ever, I don't think it's often malicious, right? But people want things and they will take what they can get. And you are really responsible for defining what can I give. And so if somebody calls you at nine, it's not that they're like, I want to see if I can fuck up Noah's night. It's, yeah. they probably were like, oh, I want to talk to Noah. I, I miss her. I want to blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, you answer it. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, I told you not to, uh, you're like, then just don't answer it. Right. But you, you know, we play, we feel the obligation to acquiesce or to make somebody else happy. And then we get pissed off that they didn't listen to us. And if they had just listened and not called us, I wouldn't have had to make the decision to not answer the phone. And then it made me feel shitty and that's their fault because they didn't listen to my boundary. Yeah, I, I totally. Yes, this is exactly. How I know. <laughs> yeah, not that I've ever had that thought cycle. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, I, I th- this has not been a traditional arc of a conversation, and I'm I'm totally no, good with that because I I think it's beautiful. But yeah, there was a part I wanted to pick out a little bit because we as we talk to people who have been doing non-monogamy for a while, or it's become like, they've really like, maybe I'll say settled into it, even though I think we've realized that we never really settle anywhere. Um, that, that you kind of shared that like, yeah, we were uh, uh, your husband and and you were like sexy friends who shared the sexy stuff. And then all of a sudden you just were going to sex parties. And I think that that is one of those conversations that we hear so often where people are like, yeah, we just went to our first sex club. And it's like, breaks right that's a that's a huge moment for most people to say i went to a party versus i went to a party where people were having sex and it maybe it shouldn't be but it is and so i'm curious like that arc and then even understanding that that took you to a to a a place that you still like it wasn't like hey i went to sex parties everything is great yeah it's funny because i think that's like part of when i talk to people who found bloom actually part of what they say is like i knew that there's these cool parties it i know that they're there i know that there's more than sitting in a bar and drinking and being bored but i just can't find them you know like you have this moment in like the 
you know, I feel like even now with Facebook, you really can't find, but you're like, how do I search the internet for this thing? Right. Mm -hmm. To search through like terrible, terribly built a website that you're like, has anyone updated this? Like, and I think that there's like a, so many people like have this deep desire though, to like find a place like play in, like do exciting stuff, but then it's like so hard to find it. That's why you need like a committed partner. I think like Romy, my partner was like, I'm going to search the internet for all these like old school uh, websites until we, you know, we went through like different paths, right? It was like the first one in Israel. It was like these, they were kinky parties. So it was like a club, but there'd be like shows that were like kinky. And there was like one like dark room that, you know, like was really non-consensual and it was like terrible, but it was like definitely more of like a nightclub that had like a kink theme around it and sexy theme. And then like slowly, slowly we were like, okay, what does this look like? Oh, this is like, um, this is not our style. It's like people that just care about like switching or don't want to like party. Like we, I think part of it, like we really like the party. We like to like dance. We like to like talk to people. We like, so for us, it was like, how do we continually like find the silly spaces and then slowly kind of inch our way into like the 60 parts of these parties. Yeah. You know, you know, I was, ta- I was talking to someone the other, like a few months ago and he's like the perfect person that I was like, how do we get these people on Bloom? You know, he's like an activist. He's in the Bay area. He does like community stuff, but definitely not like sex stuff. Right. Like, so, and he was like, you know, he had this whole, would you rather conversation with me? And one of the things that he said is like, I don't know, would you rather someone would like ask him to do something terrible for this? And I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, I know there's like actual people having casual sex that are awesome people and you would fit right in and they're in your like neighborhood any day. But I think there's like an experience of like when you're in the outside of thinking about it as this like extremely unattainable thing that happens, mm-hmm. and even though everyone wants it in some way. Yeah, that it's it's dark and seedy and it happens in, you know, back alleys and totally. really un, unsavory places. And does that happen? I'm sure it does happen, yeah. but that's not the only way it happens. Right. Yeah. So no. I think for us, it was because we were, you know, I'm always fascinated by people that are doing non-monogamy without the party part of it. Like, oh, you just go on dates with other people. Like, wow, that seems so edgy, you know, because for me, leaning into like the friends and benefits path of sex parties worked really well. Like, can I, can I have these people as my friends and then slowly, slowly find my path into actual relationships? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm curious then how you define those relationships. Is it like, do you go down that path of friends to relationship and then it's got to look a certain way or do you sort of let that be, this, you know, what does this relationship actually need and mean? Yeah. And I think that's part of, right. We were talking about like agreements. Like, I think this is the hardest thing about agreements, right? Like defining what relationships you'll have. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like committed to being like, this is, we're not romantic, right. Or like we're romantic, but we don't align ourselves with other people. There's like all these phrases that I was like, 
I'm going to say them and I'm hoping that you understand them exactly how I mean them and then put it in your brain and know to not go there, right? Because it's like emotions and relationships, like I can't control or I can't even tell where the other person is, right? So it's so hard to make those agreements. Yeah. But you know, at the beginning we were like, okay, just friends with benefits. And I was like, what does that mean? It means that if you, you're always open to give up the relationship in some way, like you're always like, oh, it's really fun. And I want to go on dates. And, but if we need to like stop being romantic or if we have to stop having sex, that's fine. Right. Like that's how I used to define it. Yeah. But it's like now what I'm thinking is like, is agreements more about like the physical things you can control instead of like the intention? Cause it's just impossible to chase the intention and it leads to so much disappointment. Yeah. Uh Yeah. You can't, or at least not very successfully. I, I, I'm going to try. I mean, I'm almost dying trying. I'm like, I'm like, I'll go down trying to, to, but yeah, it's impossible. Like I do think, and I think that's what happened to us. I think as we opened our relationship at the beginning, it was like, well, if you go for like a work trip, it's a work trip. So you can't have like dates on a work trip or you can't have like sexual adventures. And then I was like, well, if you went to like ecstatic dance and danced really closely with someone, did you break the agreement or did you not? Like, and if you like flirted with someone and then like continues texting, is that like, so it's like this constant, like in the nuance. And, and I think for me, it has become more of like, how do I remove the nuance as much as I can to feel safe because then I get super disappointed and how do instead I create like the agreements that it's like clear to follow or, and that leads to like not disappointment. Right. So I'm like, Oh, you're going on a work trip. You should have as much fun as you can. You know why? Because this is counted for your like adventure days. You can go to like Australia with your best friend, or you can go to work trip. These are both like the same days that we count as, you know, date, dateable days. So you better like maximize it. Right. So instead of being like, Oh, this is different. This is this. And like push connect in negotiate in every moment. I'm like, how do you create more like a bigger container, but the container is set around like dates or times or whatever it is. Yeah. I love that. And I, and it's such a nuanced way to set a container and agreements because it's not so much don't do this, don't do that. It's here's what, here's what we've decided we need. And if we're meeting those needs, then it, then the, some of that fear, not all of it, but some of that fear can drop away and it creates space to say, yeah, we, we're meeting the basic needs. Now go meet yours, you know, go do, go do what you want to do. And, and hopefully as you've crafted those agreements together, you're still getting your needs met in there that you're not just giving up all of who you are for, Exactly. 24, 24 out of the 30 days of a month. And then you get those six days to go and be yourself. Like that's hopefully not where you've landed, but just really saying like, yeah, you don't have to control every aspect, but like, let's make sure we, we give here what we need to give here and then go nuts. Yeah. And I think part of it is like, what is, what are the actual needs versus what are the actual fears, right? There's so much mm-hmm. time. I think what we are, when we do in in agreements conversations, it's about the fears, right? Instead of the desires, right? Yeah. 
And then I think with the, with the fears, it's like, how do you go one level deeper, right? Like, how do you, instead of being like, oh, I, I really am afraid. Yeah. I'm like really afraid of you, you know, kissing someone when you're on a business trip being like, oh, I'm really afraid. Actually, what I'm really afraid of is being like surprised by it or like, what I'm really like, what I know is what I'm really afraid of is like you stopping me from doing it. And I have a fear of like, you know, I get triggered for the autonomy. So it's like, how do you actually take care of the, the deeper fears and the triggers and then talk and then create a space to do what you want actually. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I appreciate that. And I wanted to jump back really quick. I'm, I'm feeling this sort of ties in back to boundaries. And there's a part here that I wanted to maybe say, because I think, I didn't want people to walk away from that thinking that, oh, well, people can just cross your boundaries all the time and no big deal. Like the one we gave was for phone calls. And I think even with that one, right, at a certain point, if somebody calls you every night at 11, at a certain point, you're yeah. going to be like, hey, I've asked, like, I've told you this. I, yes, I don't have to answer, but like, you clearly don't respect my boundaries, right? Right. And I, I think we can translate that then to a sex party where you're like, hey, person, my boundary is, all my clothes stay on and you keep your hands above my clothes. And if every two minutes they're trying to like lift your shirt and slide a hand up, right. That's not, it's, it's, you get, you, you have that freedom and you should have that freedom to say, Hey, I've expressed my boundary. You're not, you're not listening. We are no longer interacting together. Right. You don't have to just, you don't have to just take it and be like, well, you know, it's my boundary. Like I I don't want to cross it. Right. So I, I think that just, this is like, the, the, yeah, yeah. I think this is really important, right? Like your adjustment as a person, like we spoke about like the two pawns on like the, the chess table. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to like manipulate my head to feel like, okay, with this thing. It's like, oh, I can like mo- remove myself from the situation. Right. And, but I think one of my biggest things that I have to work on is like believing that if I say it enough or if, if things will change on the other side, right. And like being the reality of like, Oh, if this person calls you again and again, when you say no, it's unlikely that it will change. It doesn't matter how many time you tell them. Right. So it's like, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you not like, this is what I think it's like the big thing about boundaries is like you're crossing your own boundaries, right? Like how do you, by you obsessing about the other person needing to respect you, you're allowing them to have like all this, power over your reality. It's mm-hmm. like, how can you actually be like, oh, this is my boundary of be- feeling like safe or feeling like I have the space to like relax after a work day and this clearly not working and I need to take care of myself and remove myself from the situation or say something. But it's really about re- taking away the, the power that you give other people to make you feel okay, which looks like screaming at them and being really angry for me for them doing stuff that makes you feel unhappy and being like oh actually i can change this by changing like my position in the relationship and my like distance from from the the situation or in the person yeah, yeah. it's empowering yeah yeah or or even to have a conversation with the person to say hey here's what keeps going on with me you keep calling me at 11 and that really feels like shit because I've told you I don't like to be called after nine. And right, and maybe they're like, oh, shit, I'm really sorry, right? And I get just so excited to talk to you and I just pick up the phone and boop and I call you and I don't even realize what time it is. And you're like, 
okay, now you understand what's going on for them. And maybe you're not in a place then where you're like, well, fuck them. Right. You're like, okay, I get it. Right. But you're like, so now I know put my phone on do not disturb or do something to keep this person. Cause maybe they do care about your boundary right. and they're trying and they need a little yeah. bit like, so you can dance together, right? It's not just like, fuck you. Totally. Yeah. Right, uh, yeah. I thank you for, for clarifying to me that it's no, uh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm clarifying to me. Noah. Trust me. This is, this is, this is, a, this is a pep talk. <laughs> But I but I think part of it is like this is where I think community really helps, right? Because I yeah. think that the attachment system is like so like, you know, we are we are wired for attachment in such a big way. And when we have like one person, it does feel like you you have to deal with it all yourself. And it's like you only have like two ways of moving. And I think when you have like community and people to support you and like, there's just like so many more systems in place to allow you to open up or close down or move or whatever that require that, you know, t- t- that they tell you about do not disturb, but you don't have to leave the relationship. You can just put it on do not disturb. Like, thank God I'm part of normalizing non-monogamy. I know about <laughs> this option. Of- <laughs> <laughs> yep yep that's what we're here for all, all your tech support needs um yeah no i love it and and this has been an amazing conversation so so thank you yes yes i know I, there's so many more questions but i i know that um i want to be respectful of time and everything i and we can always have you back up. exactly mm-hmm. exactly I know that we kind of talked a little bit about doing a, uh, pulling a question from um, the game that you have. So it's, you have Esther Perel's game, right? Yes. Yes. How about, how about Noah, before you do that, we're going to make sure people stick around for listening to your, a a little bit about Bloom and then they get to hear us answer your question. So that's, that's the, that's the teaser. That's a teaser. So tell us, tell us a little bit about. A little bit about Bloom. People have probably heard us talk about it, but to hear it straight straight from your mouth. Yeah, yes. yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm so grateful for the team that actually partnered with you so early on, right? Yeah, so I, you know, we are trying to break the, you know, dating apps suck is like the, the you know, where we start, right? I was mm-hmm. just, I'm a business person, so I was just looking at stats of dating apps. They're like, no one's like using like people are stopping to use them and then they go back and they back up because there's like no other way. So it's kind of like the social media fiasco that we're in. But yeah, we think Luna, which, you know, she was part of the Bay Area a community, six positive community. She was like the best way to find partners is through shared experiences, right? Like that's why how I started, right? Going to six parties and then finding dates. And she's like, how do I create more moments of shared meeting? And before people actually do the swiping in some way, date first, swipe second or something. And yeah, so we created a platform where people upload their events. So we have, we just crossed like 10,000 events this year. People just upload like their workshops or their speed dating or their play parties. And then, you know, other people see the events and you can see who's coming and talk to them before, like make plans, right? Like I, what I see so much when I spy on the chats is so many people like, you know, what they need is like, you know, one part is like, how do I find the cool people? I know that there are cool people out there. How do I find them? And like events is the way to go. The second was like, 
how do I actually get myself to go to the party? Right. Like, and that's like where we see like so many people use the event chats where they're like, do you want to do drinks before? Like, I'm really nervous. You know, who wants to, you know, do this exercise ahead of time. And then there's like the post event where people are like, oh, I saw you. We had an, we had an activity together in this like Tantra workshop. Let's match after. And so we kind of close the loop between like events and dating. And we just, it did, we, me specifically alone did this analysis. <laughs> I'm like in the Excel, but me and Tony from my team, we were like sitting on Excel and the data we had about 220,000 people RSVP and to the events. And we find that if you swipe on profiles or like bud on profiles, we call it after an event, you match 10 times more uh, frequently than if you just bud on profiles, right? So just to, like support the fact that if you want to actually connect with people, first go to go build context with people and then you get to actually connect with them. So I think it's been like really cool to see that cycle and kind of like to what we, we started with, like, yeah, I think what we help more than finding your one is finding community, right? Like finding the person that you go on a hike with, with your dog, finding the person that helps you feel seen for your jealousy, like all the systems around it is I think the magic of bloom. And then, yeah, hopefully you can find your one, but that's really, really hard. Yeah. Totally. And, and too, I think what's, what's amazing about it is, yeah, there's tons of workshops and yeah, there's, there's parties and stuff, but there's also, uh, 20 of us are going hiking this weekend, right? <laughs> or we're going to do one of those drink wine and paint on a canvas and see how crazy you're painting it. So there's, there's so many ways to find, to, to mesh your, your interests with other people who are interested in your stuff. And then, like you said, you don't necessarily meet the one there, but maybe you meet five friends. And one of those people is like, you need to meet my friend so-and-so. You two would be amazing. You didn't have to swipe on anything. You went right. you went and got to drink and paint and got connected to somebody. How great is that? Nobody, nobody had to do anything that felt like shit. And so I think that's amazing. Right. That's so true. Right. And I think William always says that from Bonobo. He's like, people come to parties and they just see people starting to fuck immediately after the opening circle. And you're like, no, no, these people have built context and community for like many, many weeks ahead of time. Right. And if you keep on showing up and don't take this as a one shot game, right. Because I think that's like the problem, right. Like we all are like, I have this like five sentence to like get that person like reply to my message on the dating app is like people's experience. And it's like, no, if you keep on showing up, right. You know, it from your groups that you host, right. Like if you keep showing up people, like you will like integrate yourself and you will have friends most likely, and you will have connections. Like, don't worry about like hijacking the conversation. Don't worry about like maximizing in one moment. Like it's actually a long game. So if we allowed people like the spaces to actually like relax into it and show up in their in their true color, like more and more people would be, I think, finding connections and happier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Well, yes, we're excited, and it's and it's why we've been working together for a few years, and and it's just been amazing. So for for anybody listening, there are links in the show notes where you can go and find out how to download the app. You can get on there, and our events are hosted on there. We we list them on there as well. Our virtual meet and greets we put on there. Yeah, it's like there's a lot of lot of in person events, but there are some mm-hmm. virtual events. A too. ton. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, there's a ton, especially on like the education side yes. of it. Like, yeah. 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 So you don't always have to live in one like big metropolitan area. Is my, that was what I was trying nope. to, to stress. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a good yeah. point. Amazing. All right. I'm ready for your question now. I'm okay. primed. Emma, are you ready? Uh, as ready as I'll be. Yes. All right. Okay. Well, I, I can I do one for each of them? Sure. Okay. I'll do one. You can tell me. Okay. <laughs> Finn. The hardest things to talk about in my family are, and and we can decide what your family is. Is it like your, maybe it's your nuclear family with Emma. So that would be just Emma and me? Yeah. The hardest things to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been, a, it's been a hard little while. So, um. Everything? Yeah. Well, okay, this is my question. I know, I won't this is my that. question. Yeah, I would say everything, but um, I would say really what it is right now is the brass tacks logistics. So we talk mm-hmm. about a lot of the, we want to do this, we want to do that, we want to do this. And then when we, we look at the list and it's 72 hours of things we want to do in a four hour window, it's the, okay, what are we actually going to do? Right. We, we have lots of the, the we wants and narrowing that down to the what, what are we going to do. So I think that's probably where we're one of the one of the places mm-hmm. where we're at right now and learning new tools of how to do that, because we had we had not had a good system of doing that. The old system was we talk about things. This is a high level version of the old system. We talk about things. It's a lot of things. We don't do any of the things. Eventually, I get to a place of like, well, we have to do something. So I pick something. Emma agrees. And then later on, we find out that it wasn't really what either of us wanted, but we just did it because we sort of defaulted into it. And that's a very simplified version of it. But we're trying to figure out how to be intentional about the things we do rather than just doing. Mm -hmm. Which is super easy. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> As she laughs, like yeah, the fuck it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think part of it is like I do think that I could usually think about like how we've been taught to not ask for what we want, right? And we mm-hmm. like this level of manipulation that we learn as kids to do with like our parents in some way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so much of the work is like how do we, yeah, how do we learn to like actually speak what we want, and then how do we actually learn to say no for yep. what we don't want. Yeah, those those dynamics play into it. And then again, this is sort of my opinion, but we, we've we uncovered Emma is a bit of a people pleaser, and that's an understatement. And so she's always deferring to me. And, and then I have taken in so much of the narratives mm-hmm. around, right, you don't want to, I don't want to run her over. And so now I'm in a place where I won't make yeah. decisions. So I'm deferring and she's deferring and we both just defer and defer and defer and defer trying to be super passive. So we don't, so we don't step on the other person. And then, and then we both don't get our needs met because we're, mm-hmm. we, we haven't quite cracked that code of how to, mm-hmm. how to do that. So it's, it's, it's fun. Well, if there's anything I can do, can come to me, I will, I'm happy to tell you what to do. Perfect. That's what we've been missing. <laughs> I love it. We'll just outsource it. Yeah. Outsource all of our decision making. <laughs> a relationship consultant. We just take them our problem and they say, do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If only. <laughs> okay. Emma, I have one very 
easy for you. I don't know if it's easy, but hopefully. Okay. And when someone can hear me going to the bathroom, I dot, dot, dot. <laughs> if someone can hear me? Yeah. When? <laughs> um. <laughs> Do you need more specification on what going to the bathroom? No. No. <laughs> no, that feels pretty straightforward. Okay. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's other, there's multiple things you can do when you go there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it, de- it, it context is important, but I think um, it depends. Like in my uh, my rational brain is just like we're all human, and it's just we're all human doing human things, and it it's just is what it is. Um, but it also depend definitely depends on how well I know the people that are um, that are there, and so it can be whether it's more embarrassing or not, and what's happening, and all of that. So yeah, um, yeah, it's definitely a test in the ability to take care of yourself and your needs and what's going on and um, not, uh, I guess, communicate to others too, if you're feeling like you need to. (laughs) Earmuffs. (laughs) Tell people to cover their ears. (laughs) Thank you for the questions. They were I, f- I feel like mine was a little harder than yours. The question? Yeah. <laughs> it was, a, I'd say different, different, different ones. Is there one that you want to answer, Noah? Okay. The last time I got lost in a great adventure. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Wow. The last time I got lost in a great adventure. I want to say the last time I got lost in a great adventure, I was in Mexico, a city with one of my partners and his roommates and we we you know you know like when you travel and you like eat some food and then you go meet friends for drinks and then you go see a jazz club and then you walk in the street and you like find uh like a a different like like late night club and then you walk and talk to friends at like the house for drinks like that was like the most in the moment and in the flow that I've been for a while and it was really really magical oh that sounds amazing yeah. 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 It's funny. I re- I interpreted that question as the last time you got lost while you were oh. on an adventure, oh, not no. lost in the adventure. And I was, I was like, funny. I was on no, I was on the same page I as know. Noah. I kept thinking she was gonna be like, and then we didn't know where we were. And I was like, nope. I think I misinterpreted the question. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yep. It's a much better question that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Noah, for being here. For I mean, of course, for all the work you do, and uh, for for. Yeah, for all the support that you've given to, to us and our work as well. We we yeah. love working together and we're happy to share your story. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you wanted to get out there? No, thank you so much. I am so grateful. Like, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like what I do best and thank you for allowing it is like allowing other people to shine. Like that's my thing. And I think I'm so grateful that you're one of the core partners that we have at Bloom because it's been like so amazing to see the way people just eat up all the stuff that you create and just like the sense of connection that people have after any of the events that you organize is like so amazing. And I'm really grateful that I'm able to like put the spotlight on your amazingness. Thank you. Awesome. That means a lot. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's really sweet.
Yeah. Well, and maybe just a, a, a special extra bonus note here is we, I've been, we were co-hosting the speed dating in the East Bay. Yeah. And that was something that you all asked us to do. And Emma and I have done it a few times. I also do it with Marie Tween. And like, that's been a, a great time getting to meet everybody locally. So yeah, fun. Maybe so, next time I come to the, to the, to the city, we should do it when, I, when I'm there. You could also do it. Yeah. Speed date me. So there we go. We'll, 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 we'll plant you in there and nobody will know. And then at the end, we'll be like, by the way. So you'll reveal. All right. Yes. Yes. That would be amazing. Thank you so much, Noah, for everything today. And just have a wonderful rest of your Friday. And uh, we'll be in touch soon. Thank you. And we are back. Thank you, Noah, again for coming on, sharing your story, sharing everything that you did for the amazing conversation and for the wonderful work that you do, especially with Bloom. It was wonderful to talk to you, and we're excited to get this episode out there. Yes. As Emma said, just to echo those gratitude, that gratitude, all the gratitudes, thank you. And thank you to the whole team over at Bloom for all of your support of our work over the past few years. Again, anybody who's wanting to check this out, head over to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. You can click on the podcast tab, and you will find show notes there for this episode and all of our other episodes for the last five plus years. And you can also click on the community tab. You can learn more about our community. You can click on the events tab and sign up for our virtual meet and greet that's yes. coming up in just a couple of weeks on January 26th. Let's say our next virtual meet and greet is January 26th. There's, as Finn was saying, there's a lot of information over on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Go check it all out. And with that... Next week, we have a wonderful conversation with Princess and Dee Dee. Yes. Maybe pseudonyms. Maybe not. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) No, we have a really fun conversation with them. And so you're going to want to come back next week and check it out. Plus, we'll have our full arsenal of of announcements at the beginning. Oh, they get to look forward to that, too. That's why most people (laughs) tune in as far as I can Oh, definitely. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. So we will see you all next week. Again, Happy New Year. And safe travels if you're still out and about. And we'll see you all in a week. Yeah. Happy New Year, everyone. Enjoy 2024, the start to 2024. And I think that's it. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.